So Matthew chapter 10, if you'll stand with me this morning, we're going to be looking at verses 16 through 25, and then we're going to flip over to Philippians chapter 3 as well. So Matthew chapter 10, starting at verse 16, Jesus says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and to the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for, you, for what you are to say will be given you in that hour." For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child. And children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? And let's now flip over to... Uh, Philippians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 7. Philippians 3, verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, nor am I already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That those of us who are mature Think this way, and if anything, and if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, uh, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us, your people today. Thank you, Lord, that we can come and that we can gather here today, that we can exalt you, that we can worship you, that we can sing your praises. Lord, that we can even do it today without the threat of persecution. We can do it today with great freedom and liberty. 
Lord, we are reminded today, even by reading this passage, that there are brothers and sisters scattered all over the world today who don't share the same freedoms, who don't have the same liberty, Lord, that they gather under the threat of their lives, under the threat of intense persecution. God, we remember them today. We pray for them. We ask that you would be with them and that you would help them to stay strong and endure the trial of their faith. God, I pray also for us that you would help us to be strong in the days in which we live. Though we are not under the threat of physical persecution, there is an intense uh, psychological uh, battle, Lord, that is waging today in our culture. Lord, that you would help us, your people, to stay strong and to stand firm upon your word. Lord, that you would help us in, your time, in our time in your word today to value you above all else. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 10. We're working our way here through Matthew's gospel, now here in the 10th chapter. And we're seeing how this chapter is a sending out of the apostles. We saw last week how Jesus set apart from his disciples, those who followed him, 12 apostles, which literally means those whom he sent out. And he sent them out on a special mission that was to take place where they were to go, not to the Gentiles, but they were to go around uh, to the Jewish towns and to preach to them that Jesus was the Messiah. They were to go and to, to perform these miracles in his name, showing that Jesus was the one whom the prophets had foretold. But there is also in this uh, chapter instructions not only for that temporary assignment, but also for the apostles' future assignment, which was going to take place after Jesus died, rose again, and ascended. And then even going further beyond that for all of God's people who were to be witnesses for him throughout all this age. And that certainly would include us today. In the section that we're looking at today, Jesus is giving instructions for the apostles' ministry immediately following the resurrection. There was this period of time of about 40 years where Jesus had risen, ascended into heaven, and the Jewish people were given a time of 40 years to turn to their Messiah. But at the end of that 40 years, judgment came upon the Jewish people because of what they had done to Christ. And in the year A.D. 70, Christ came in judgment upon that city, Jerusalem, and used the Roman army to destroy the temple and to burn the city to the ground. Jesus foretold that all of that would happen in that generation. And the instructions that Jesus is giving here is for that 40-year period which was an intense uh, period of great persecution. Jesus even calls this period the Great Tribulation. We see that in Matthew chapter 24. We'll get there eventually. Uh, but in Matthew chapter 24, that's called the Olivet Discourse. 
And here the, the language that Jesus is using parallels that language that he uses in the Olivet Discourse in Matthew chapter 24. But we see a lot of the events in our passage this morning, we see them happen in the book of Acts. The book of Acts chronicles that period of time when the church was established by the apostles before the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. And so some of those that we see in, in verse 17, for example, it says you'll be flogged, that is to be beaten, that is to be whipped. But the, the specific place he says they're going to be beaten and whipped is in the synagogues. The synagogues, that was the, the place where the Jewish people gathered to, to hear God's word, to, to, to learn of, of, of the Torah, to, to read the prophets. It was the, the center of the community for the Jewish people, centered around uh, the, the Old Testament scriptures. But he says that they would be beaten and flogged in those places as they bore witness to Christ. And certainly when we read the book of Acts, is that not what we see? That, that Paul goes and the first place he goes is he goes to the synagogues and he, he begins to preach and proclaim that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah, the one that they had been hoping for, the one they had been waiting for, the one that their scriptures told about. But, but they were always rejected. A, a group believed and then the rest rejected and they were beaten and, and even stoned to death, Paul, at one point, but God raised him up. So they were beaten in the synagogues. Verse 18 says that they will stand before governors and kings. And is that not what we see? Do we not see that happen in the book of Acts? Where over and over again, the, the apostles are brought in before the governing authorities, even the apostle Paul standing before kings, bearing witness to the lordship of Jesus Christ, that bearing witness to the fact that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And it even goes on to say in verse 21 that there would be families who would be divided over Jesus. And we also see that happening in the book of Acts. And so th this period that's being discussed here, again, it cl closely parallels Matthew chapter 24, the Olivet Discourse, the the, the instructions that Jesus gave to his disciples right before his crucifixion. In verse 22, it's something that he also mentions in Matthew 24, that he who endures to the end will be saved. That there's going to be an intense period of persecution, an intense period that Jesus calls tribulation, and that those who endure to the end, who don't, bend, who don't bow, who don't give in, who don't surrender, that they will experience uh, salvation. And also in verse 23, specifically here, notice this, this is really interesting. Jesus says this, when they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. So there was this period of time where they were to work in and around that region. We know that the gospel and the mission of the Great Commission extends to the ends of the earth. 
They were to start Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the Gospels to go to the ends of the earth. But here Jesus says that you won't even have gone throughout all the towns of Judea, throughout all the region of, of Israel, before the Son of Man comes. Well, what's the coming that he's talking about there? I, I do not believe that's talking about his return, his second coming that we're all living for and, and hoping for and, and living in light of, the, the return of Christ that will end all of human history. That's what all human history is building towards and going towards. But here he's talking about specifically the coming in judgment that will happen when Jesus destroys the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, otherwise, we, we have a bit of a conundrum because we do know that all of the towns of Israel have had witness uh, to Christ. Yet, Jesus has not returned, right? So, so what, what is it that he's talking about? I really believe here that he's talking about that coming in judgment in A.D. 70. Other Bible commentators believe that maybe Jesus is talking about his resurrection here, that before Jesus, the, the crucifixion and resurrection happens, that, that that is there. I, however, believe because of the way these events parallel Matthew chapter 24 and Matthew chapter 4 specifically talking about not the end of the world, but the end of the Jewish age and the destruction of the temple, that these two parallel each other. But that brings us back to us. These are specific instructions given to the apostles for a specific period of time. However, there's principles in here that we can also apply to our day. And so that's what I want our focus to be on for the next few moments. Three really big headings that I want to uh, organize our thoughts into this morning. The first is in verse 16. And Jesus says this, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Wolves are people who present themselves as harmless and innocent. But it's a disguise. And their intent is to do great harm. God's people throughout all the church age have been sheep in the midst of wolves. In fact, the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20, when he's speaking to uh, the elders of the Ephesian church, he says this, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. He says, I know after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, he says, be alert. Therefore, be alert. Wolves are those who present themselves as innocent, present themselves as harmless, maybe even present themselves as believers, as Christians, claiming the name of Christ, but have the intent of doing great harm, of, of undermining people's faith, of drawing them away from Christ 
possibly to draw them away after themselves. Therefore, Paul says, be alert. Jesus puts it this way. He says, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. To be wise as a serpent means to be smart, means to be cunning, means to be strategic. It means to to think, to plan, to to, to with this knowledge of, of those, knowing that there are those who want to undermine, who want to destroy our faith, who, who, who want to do us great harm, we must think strategically. We must think critically. We, we must not just absorb everything that anybody nice would say to us knowing that the devil oftentimes presents himself as an angel of light, the Bible tells us. So we must be discerning. We must use wisdom in the day in which we live. Ephesians chapter 5, if you'll flip over there with me this morning. Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul gives instructions along these lines. Starting in verse 10. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 10. We could start actually in verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. So, So there are those who would try to deceive us. Again here in verse 10, he says, Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness but instead expose them. Verse 12, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that are done in secret. Look down at verse 15. Look carefully. Look at, listen to these adverbs. Look carefully then how you walk. That's how you live out your, your spiritual life, your walk with the Lord. Be careful. Not as unwise, but as wise. Don't be foolish. Don't be ignorant. Verse 16, make the best use of time because the days are evil. As we look around our world, as we look around our culture, if we could all agree on one thing, it's that we're living in evil days. Therefore, we must be careful. Therefore, we must be wise. Therefore, we must make the best use of time. Therefore, we must not... No one deceive us with empty words. Therefore, we must try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord and then do it is is the implication there. Therefore, he says, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We need to be discerning. We need to be, as Jesus said, wise as serpents, innocent As doves, we need to be strategic in the way that we live our lives, making the best use of our time because all of us have a limited window of time. Time is is an an, an interesting thing. It it makes no sense to me the older I get. 
It, it just seems to go by so fast, does it not? I, I, I can't believe we're already in 2024, but we're, we're already a month into it. It's so, it seems like it's going by so fast. And I've been told the older you get, the faster it goes. That's what I've been told. And, and that's been my experience now. So I don't know what it's like when you're, you know, 70 and 80. It must just seem like, you know, everything's just like hyper motion or something. I already kind of feel like that a little bit. The Bible even speaks to that. It says life is like a vapor. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. We have a, we have a short window of time. And the things that we do today with this life that is quick and fleeting like a vapor, the things they do, we do here, it echoes in eternity. So it matters. It matters what we do. Today matters. Tomorrow matters. The Apostle Paul, he talked about how there was, there was things in his past, but he's not focusing on the past. He's focusing on today and tomorrow. He says, forgetting what lies behind, I press on, I strain, I work hard because I know that today and tomorrow matter for eternity. So we must be strategic. That's being wise as serpents. He also says we must be innocent as doves. That's maintaining our innocence before God. So in our being strategic as a serpent, we don't resort to sinful measures. And we must make sure that we don't have ungodly, sinful motivations in our hearts. You see, it's real easy to see all of the unrighteousness in our world and respond in an unrighteous, ungodly way. So we must maintain our innocence. We must have a pure conscience before God. We must not become overwhelmed with anger and hatred. Rather, we're called to love our neighbor as ourself. So we must speak the truth, but we must speak the truth in love, what that means is we, we shine as lights, we speak the truth, we share God's word out of a motivation of our love for those who are caught and in the snare of the devil. So we don't resort to sinful measures or sinful motivations. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy time and time again as you read First and Second Timothy that he must work hard to keep a clear conscience before God. There's only one way I know of doing that and, and it's not that you'll never do anything sinful or you'll, you'll always say everything perfectly and you'll always have the right motivation. If that were the case, there would be no hope. But the way that we maintain a clear conscience before God is living our lives under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and then when he convicts us, we walk in repentance of sin, walking in humility. When we do fall and fail, when we do things out of the wrong motivation, when things uh, get sideways, that we are careful to listen to the Holy Spirit, let him convict us of our sin and go to the Lord asking for forgiveness. Go to the Lord in repentance and in faith and in humility 
And we know that when we do that, he is faithful to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That is how we maintain our innocence. Not that we will, that we will be perfect, but that we stay close to the one who is perfect, walking close side by side with him and letting him lead us and guide us. And when we fall, letting him be the one to pick us up again. And so what does this look like practically? I know I'm talking conceptually, but let's put this on the ground where we live. First, we all must realize that wolves are real. There are those who would present themselves to us and present themselves to even our children as innocent with the intent of doing great harm. The wolves are real. One of the wolves that we must constantly guard against in our day is found in the entertainment that is produced for children. I brought with you a slide this morning of just a, a few of the things that is so-called made for children today where they're trying to indoctrinate children with this confused and, and godless sexuality. All of these things made for and marketed for children. These are wolves presenting themselves as innocent with the intent of doing great harm. They want to rob your children's future by leading them into a fruitless life. The Bible says that we are made in the image of God and that we are to be fruitful, we are to multiply, we are to fill the earth with God's image bearers. Let me tell you something. This is a dead-end street. You see, if the enemy can't kill your kids in their mother's womb through abortion, he'll make sure he castrates them through a godless philosophy or literally so that they cannot reproduce the image bearers of God. It's presented as innocent. It's presented as, as harmless. It's presented as righteous. But it's meant to inflict great harm and to rob your children's future. These are the wolves that we must guard against today. And they have access to us. This, this, the, these wolves have access to us and to our children through media, social media, all of the platforms. All of the stuff. Twitter and now called X and all of this stuff. Through these portals, our children and us have access to the greatest evils the world has ever known. You can pull up in two seconds all of the perversion, all of the, 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 the you can watch people break the Ten Commandments 24-7. What God calls evil, what God calls an abomination, and he doesn't do that just arbitrarily. He does that because he loves us. The things that he calls evil in his word, they kill us. They destroy us. 
They lead our lives into death, into bondage. So God in his graciousness gives us his word, a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. But through all of these apps and, and, and media, websites, social media, children today have unrestricted access to the greatest evil in the world. From sexual perversion to being bullied online to, to watching things and seeing things that, that no child should ever have to see and watch. The majority of children today in our nation exposed to pornography before the age of 12. The majority of that happening from their peers at school showing them stuff on their phones. This is evil, my friends. We are sheep amongst wolves. And a lot of parents today, unfortunately, have the mindset of, well, I trust my children. I've, I've raised them the right way. I've told them the right things. They eventually are going to have to learn how to live in this world. And so you put a smartphone in their hand because you trust them. But that is not the right way to think about it. It's not that your children has, have this access, but, but you've taught them the right things, you've shown them the right way, and so now, therefore, you trust them. It's not that your children have access to this evil, but it's that the wolves have access to your children. That's the issue. Not whether or not you trust your children. Do you trust the wolf? If a stranger came knocking at your door and you opened the door and they said, Hi, I'd like to spend a few hours every night with your child up in their bedroom behind closed doors. Is that okay with you? Oh, please, come on in. Of course not. You would say, Betty, get the gun. You would say, call the cops. This person is a creep. This person is a weirdo. But all of these people, these influencers, are wolves. They want your children. They want to speak to your children. Who are they? God knows. But we give them access to them? And we think it's okay simply because they're not physically in the same room? Opening our children to, to the, the pressure of their peers, to the bullying online, to the... To the social anxiety that, that comes from not being able to, to handle all of this stuff? And how in the world would we think that children and teenagers can handle this when you can't handle it? We, we don't understand how profoundly this thing is shaping our lives and our brains in the way that we think. Re rewiring our brain chemistry. We don't, we don't understand it yet. It's a dangerous world out there. There's wolves, there's real evil in the world that wants to access and have unrestricted access to your children. And just like you wouldn't let the stranger up into your child's bedroom, likewise, why in the world would you ever put a smartphone in your child's hand and let them use it? unsupervised. I trust my kids. Okay, great. I don't trust the wolf. 
we got to be wise as serpents. Don't be foolish knowing that the days are evil. Recognize the days in which we live. And yet, sadly, this is the norm today. This is the norm today. Children and young children, younger and younger, given smartphones and they have free reign. The wolves have access to your children, if that is the case. We must sober up. We must think clearly about this. If for no other reason than simply the fact that Jesus told us to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. We have to regularly check in with our kids. We have to, we have to, we have to not just take everything at face value, but we must search out their hearts and probe out their hearts. What's going on with you? What's going on with your friends? Where are things at? Helping them think through these things that they're experiencing, that they're hearing, that they're learning, that they're being indoctrinated in. That's the culture that we live in. And even if it's not so explicit as, as sexual perversion, it's godless philosophy that says, to be happy, you have to do whatever you want. If you're going to be happy, if you're going to find satisfaction, you have to follow your heart. You have to follow every whim. Listen, that's the path of destruction. Hello? That's a path that leads not only to physical pain, physical destruction, but eternal destruction. That's the path of the enemy. We, we must help our kids think through and think through critically the messages that they're hearing. Uh, every single movie, literally, and TV show has not only in it the, the full-hearted affirmation of sexual perversion as normal, good, and wonderful, and wholesome, which leads to destruction, but also... This godless philosophy that you, you, to, to be happy and, and satisfied, you must do whatever your heart desires. Every Disney princess, every song, every, that's, that's at the core of every single one of those messages. What does Jesus say? Well, he actually says the pathway to life is to deny yourself. To deny yourself. That in fact, our hearts are sinful. And one thing that will destroy us if left unchecked. So, so there's this antithesis of worldview. And we think, well, they're not seeing anything explicit, so it's okay. No, they're being indoctrinated in an antichrist philosophy. By wolves, those who look innocent but want to do us great harm. I know I'm really meddling in your family affairs this morning. There are wolves. And it's, it's not, I'm not advocating, hear, hear me clearly, I'm not advocating that you become a monk, that, that you, you know, go buy property out, you know, and, and, and just isolate yourself from, from all the problems of society and, and raise your family out there and, and do all of that. Because hear me in this, 
That's not going to help either because the, the sinfulness of man is in all of our hearts. So what we must teach and train our children <clears throat> is how to live in the world that God made. And again, it's in knowing God. It's through faith in Christ. It's through repentance of sin. It's through knowing his word and helping them to see and to identify the, the philosophies that they're being taught and helping them see how they are illogical, how they collapse upon themselves, how they lead to death, and showing how God's way is the path of righteousness that leads to life. And to put it in the, into their hearts that not only is God's way the best way, but God's way is the only way. And, and to do it in such a way to, so that they see that that's the truth that's the truth that will set them free and that's the truth that they will want and that they will desire. Not that they will be perfect, not that we will be perfect, but that we know where to go when we fall and fail. And that's running to the cross of Christ where we find his grace and his mercy. So let us be aware of the wolves. Next couple, I'm going to move through these. Actually, you know what? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pause it there today. I just feel like we need to just stop here and meditate on this truth this week. There really are forces at work that want to come after and destroy you, destroy your life, destroy your family. Jesus says, don't be a fool. Let me tell you what fools do. Fools open their front door to those who want to destroy them. Fools give unrestricted access to children to the internet. Fools don't place safeguards, limits <clears throat> on how much time they themselves and those in their authority spend on the phones, spend on the screens. I mean, this week, this week, this new device came out to further isolate you from the real world. You understand where this is going. To, to isolate people by placing them in this bubble of online content. Guess what? That, that doesn't, does that draw us closer to the Lord or further away from the Lord? Further away. There's nothing on there that's leading you to Christ. It's, it's like we learned in the book we read about. Love not the world or the things in the world. All of these things teach us to love the world more than we love Christ. We must be wise. We must be wise. We must understand the days in which we live are very evil. We live in evil days. We must redeem the time. If we're wasting too much time on our phones... We're disobeying the word of God. We're not being good stewards. Listen, your life is your time. That is all you've got. Your life is your time. What you spend your time on is what you're spending your life on. And all of us have a fixed amount. The Bible says there's an appointed to each one of us a time to die. That it is written the days of our lives are numbered in heaven before we even live the first one of them. All of us have an expiration date. We don't know what day that will be, but trust me in this, and I've been with many dear saints as they got near that day, 
Not a one of them ever said, I wish I would have watched more Netflix. I wish I would have spent more time on Facebook. I wish I would have seen more things on YouTube. I, I wish I would have spent more time on my cell phone. Listen, I believe when we get to heaven, we will be grieved in our hearts that we, for, for every moment that we did not spend for Christ. When we see him, when we see him as he truly is, and our faith becomes sight, and we behold his glory, and we see his nail-scarred hands, the scars that were put there to redeem our lives. And then we think back over the way that we wasted ours on these insignificant, foolish things. I believe our hearts are going to be broken. And we will say, why did I not do more, live more, think more about Christ? Why did I not spend more time in his presence when I had the opportunity to? Why did I not spend more time in his word? Why did I not teach and, and train my children in the way that they should go? Why did I have so, such a focus on the world and the things of the world? One of the kings of Israel was named Hezekiah. He was a godly king. He led a great revival in his nation, but he failed to teach his children to follow in his paths. And so as soon as he died, his children went right back into idolatry and into paganism. But before he died, God sent a prophet to him who said, because of the, the wickedness of this nation... There's going to be judgment that comes upon the people of Israel. But because you've been righteous, because you have been faithful, it's not going to come in your day. It's not going to come in your generation. It's not going to come while you're alive. And though King Hezekiah was good and godly, he loved the Lord, his perspective was very wrong. Because when the prophet came and delivered that message to him that there would be judgment not in his generation, but on a future generation, he thought, well, that's okay. I won't be alive to see it. Ah, that's good. That's good for me. No big deal. And we need to, we need to have, a, have a better mindset than that. I know this passage talks about persecution, and, and we don't live under persecution. Thank God for that. But if that day should ever come, are we just content to say, well, it won't come in our day? Do we have that kind of mentality that King Hezekiah did? Or are we not training and preparing our children to stand in the days in which they will live? To stand on that day. To not be afraid. That's what God's called us to. Not just to make it through the end of the week and be able to pay the bills and just ride it out to heaven. 
No, he's called us to expand his kingdom. To do that, we have to be living under his submission, living under his lordship, doing everything to the glory of God, and it requires us to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves, living as sheep amongst wolves. I invite you to stand with me this morning. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, if your mercy were, was not new every morning, we would be consumed. But you're so good to us. Lord, I pray that you would awaken us, that you would help us to see, put a fire in our hearts. Lord, if not for our sake, for the sake of our kids and for our grandkids. God, that we would humble ourselves where we need to be humbled. Lord, where, where we have been foolish, God, that you would convict us. Lord, that through the power of your spirit, you would enable us to be wise, to be discerning, to not be deceived by those who would flatter us with smooth talk. God, that you would help us to protect our kids and our grandkids. Lord, to raise up a, a, a generation, Lord, who will stand for you. And help us, Lord, to stand in our day. Help us to be faithful to you in our day. Help us to see that faithfulness is not just under the threat of persecution, but faithfulness is doing the things that you've called us to do, opening your word, spending time in prayer, discipling our families, pursuing you above all else. God, we want to be faithful to you because you're faithful to us. We love you because you first loved us. But we're not trying in any way to earn anything from you because you've already blessed us with everything in Christ. Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.